Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex. Um, we did start with that game against MK Dons on the weekend, which was a 3-1 win, which was pretty fantastic. Um, you know, we, we haven't lost to them yet in our history and so it was sort of a game that um, on paper at least seemed to be a pretty gimme game for us. But um, as we've seen with teams, you know, Swindon, um, uh, Fleetwood, um, you know, just because we're, we're going into the game as a favourite doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to turn out. Um, could have been a bit of a banana skin game for us, but uh, it was good to get the three points. And I, I guess, I mean, the main talking point for me, and, and I'll see what Dan says when he manages to come back into the stream, but the main talking point for me was certainly Magenis with the two goals um, and the fact that, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring so early in the game um, and then conceding just as early in the game um, to then go 2-1 up after 12, 13 minutes just showed that, you know, we're not a side that's going to lie down much this season. Um, you know, we've shown perhaps against Swindon that we can be rattled and we can struggle, but um, against MK Dons, we sort of showed a bit of backbone and, and, and sort of kicked back, hit back straight away, which was great to see and, and brilliantly taken goal as well for the second goal. Um, you know, well worked. Uh, Keogh clearly passed his use by date. I think Grant McCann actually said that we we sort of noted that going into this game and we actually targeted him as the centre-back that was weaker and um, sort of gave us that opportunity to to go in on them um, in that manner. It was great to see him him working really well under the ball and, and fire into the roof of the net. Um, um, it's probably a little bit disappointing that we didn't go on with it in the sense that um, you know the 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 the, the half end sort of just panned out as 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 much more subdued, and I think MK Don's had a couple of decent chances themselves. But um, it was good to then see Scott get the third goal as well, because now that he's starting to get a few goals in the league as well, shows that he he's starting to come into a bit of form. Um, we sort of talked about it the other week when he was he was our focus for the week that. Um, that, that Scott has a lot of promise. We signed him in January essentially as our Bowen replacement. Um, so there's there's a little bit of pressure or expectation on him from that point of view because of the player he's linked to it in that sense. But good to sort of see him start to perform on uh, on the league stage for us. Um, of course, after the game, MK Don's manager, again, sort of using the same, uh, you know, we see it on, on Twitter now, the, uh, the um, away manager bingo card. Um, for their for their responses on the games and Dan's just come back in so let's cross our fingers see how this is going to go. Dan, how are you? Do we have you now? Oh, I think so. Brilliant. Yes, that sounds much better. Sounding oh, good. Yeah, I don't know. I must have just been my laptop or something. So I'm just on my computer now, but obviously I've got no video. So no, no, that's all all good. Um, I was sort of just giving a solo recap of the MK Dons game, but I thought I can get your thoughts as well. I sort of um sort of pinpointed the, the highlight for me as being Magenis with the two goals and, and especially the second goal coming so quickly after we conceded was um, was great to see. Yeah, look, I um, I just watched the highlights of that again before, just just before I came on. Um, I don't know how he didn't get a hat-trick, to be honest. I thought in that, that yeah. chance he had just before he, before he went off was um, sensational and he probably should have done better there, but he done did really well to get the first two goals. Um yeah, I look. I was, I was pretty impressed with that game as a whole. Um, you know, I, I I got concerned when they scored re, um, against us um, pretty pretty quick. 
um, that, that concerned me that we were sort of going to just throw away the bit of momentum that we started building and that, um, you know, perhaps those defensive frailties that we knew from last year were going to rear their ugly head. But I think from that point on, then, you know, it seemed to the the whole team seemed to to, to get pull pull itself together and 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 get on with the job again and I think just generally over the last few games um, not only has Mcgenis been impressive for me but um, Jacob Greaves has just yeah he's he's I think at the beginning of the season we we're talking about Ken Lewis Potter being the one to watch and the one who was really going to you know be the standout that the make who's going to make his mark this season. But at the moment, I think Greaves is actually giving him, you know, a run for his money in that regard. He's considering the players that are theoretically or, or that he, that the players that he's challenging for that, to hold that starting position, he's doing very well. He's, he's just about the number one center, center back we've got at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's kind of remarkable that he's, he's completely usurped um, devices spot in the team. And, and, and it's now not so much, Greaves kind of getting a pinch hit in um, in the team at centre back. It's it's that it's his now it's his spot um, to lose essentially. That the device isn't even making the bench most weeks now because Greaves is just so assured in that position. And you're quite right. I remember it was back at the start of the season, and we were talking about I think it was Greaves and Sheaf um, as the two who'd sort of had their loan to uh, league two spells on loan. Um, and potentially getting chances in the side this season. And, and Chief obviously hasn't necessarily had as many chances in, in the cup games um, as Greaves has. But Greaves has just taken his chance with both hands and, and has looked tremendous in the role. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know really what else to say. I think the only thing he's missing from him is to pinch a couple more goals for us or something at the other end. He's, but... he's, he's looking dangerous. You know, he, he's having a lot of um, a lot of opportunities from set pieces. But, yeah, you know, the goal will come and, and it's just going to be great for him because, um, you know, it was great to see him sign a new deal, I think, last week, the three-year three extension plus one, um, which we seem to do a lot of these days, which is, it's a nice long-term deal for him. Um, and, and he's a player that, you know, if we, if we were to, make that step up to the championship. He's a player who could take that step up with us and, and really, um, you know, cement his spot in the side and, and his place in the city team. Yeah, I think um, he's got he's got all the skills and, and all the attributes. He seems to hold himself really well on the field and keep calm and composed. Um, you know, he throws his body in there. He took a big, um, stopped a shot, I think, with his face the uh, against Ipswich, maybe. Is it Ipswich? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, or is, was it, that, no, it might, have, might have been his like back or something, like hit his kidney or something, you know. Oh, okay, he, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, he was down it was a, for a while. Yeah, yeah it, was a big, it was a big hit anyway. Um, but I think what's really pleasing is while some of these players are are taking their chances and really um, s- stepping up and, and being standouts in their own right, they're still not like no one's really been – we're not relying on a one or two people to be huge standouts and – um, I think like across the board, everyone is consistently, you know, a seven or eight out of 10. Um, and we're not, it's, we're not re- having a team full of sixes and relying on Jared Bowen and Grisicki to be nines or whatever. We're, we're really consistent across the whole team. Um, and even on, like we, I mentioned Kim Lewis before, we, at, you know, the way he started the season, we thought, well, he's going to be a hugely important player. Uh, but sadly, we haven't like, in, in one sense, sadly, but we haven't really missed him. Um, mm. The players that have come in have have been doing a wonderful job. Um, which, which I think is a reassuring thing. I think, you know, and we see a lot of comments, um, 
you know, regarding the fact that we're now top of the league uh, after this game against Ipswich, which we'll talk about in a second, but the fact that we're top of the league and people sort of saying, well, you know, we we were top of the league in the in the Premier League after a similar number of games. We were, you know, challenging for the top six halfway through last season, and look what happened. And everyone, you know, perhaps rightly so, putting a bit of um, caution to the optimism at the moment. But I think the fact that, as you say, we're not necessarily missing Lewis Potter shows that we have enough depth in this squad that if the worst was to happen and say, you know, knock on wood, it's not going to happen, but say Greaves and Lewis Potter get sold to championship clubs in January, it's not as if the squad would fall apart like it did last season. We've, we've got the players and the personnel to, to fill in those holes in the side. Yeah, I think um, we, we do have that depth um, depth within the squad this season that we didn't have, haven't had in previous years, and I think what's also really good is um, that our subs are getting amongst the goals now as well. They're actually they're really having impact when they come on. James Scott for has come on and scored a couple of goals. Eves is coming on and, and nabbing a, a late goal here and there. You know, so the goals getting shared around between the guys that are starting and the guys on the bench um, and across that front three. Because what would we say we were talking about in the chat, in our chat, that uh, what Wilkes is on six and Magenis is on five and Keen Lewis Potter's on five or something now. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's that's um, that's a good return for all of those. And then you go, well, Eves is on two um, off the bench and he's only Scott's on, had a, Scott's on a couple dozen as well. chances or something, yeah. you know. Um, Delicate's got a couple. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... That's really they're really good signs. Um, I think the other important thing was they mentioned in one of the games. I can't remember whether it was Ipswich or the MK Dons game, but that Magennis last year scored four goals. Yeah, well, last season. Three, sorry, last season was four, yeah. and he's and he's passed that already. So, um, and he's scoring goals for Northern Ireland. So he's in a rich vein of form. You know, long may it continue. <laughs> I, and I saw I saw the comment on um, on um, Twitter as well, just around the fact that now it's um, the five subs in games that it's almost tantamount to cheating for us because our squad depth just means that, like you're saying, we bring on five players around about the 60 minute mark, and it's almost like a fresh team, and we're getting all these late goals now from the subs who are just coming on with the fresh legs and running at teams because the depth that we have is is virtually or or is unparalleled in this league. And being able to make the five subs is just completely it, – it's its increasing our advantage in a way. Yeah, well, I think – I mean, we don't want to um, talk too much about Ipswich just yet, but I think yeah. on that, the five subs, we saw that um, uh, yesterday morning for us with, you know, Louis, Louis Coyle came on with 15 minutes to go and played in midfield just because they could give someone a rest and get some run into his legs. If you've only got three subs, that doesn't happen. Yeah, you know? Like that's not a move that you're going to make when you when you limited to three, but and it's great for him as well because he's he's had to bide his time with the manual playing so well that it's great that we can now say to him, you will get game time. You know, we mm. can throw you on. Um, it's like you're saying, it's not just the three subs where you would never sort of make that sort of change. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting one. Um, I guess you know, with all of this, the the COVID stuff that's still. Um, impacting them in the UK, um, not so much over here at the moment, but um, it's still pretty heavily impacting them there. It's they, they've made their decision, and I guess you know we just um, reap the reap the benefits of that decision. I guess I mean, it, I, I mean I don't feel bad. We're we're not doing anything that's against the rules. Um, yeah. We're just we've just and I mean we as a club had to get ourselves into a position 
where this is something that we can take advantage of. We could have, yeah. you know, like it's we could have like, not bought those players in Jan- in um, in the off season. We could have not recruited so that we had those those um, players waiting, you know, in line to to jump on the park. So, in a lot of ways, it's it's like when you know when when Newcastle got relegated or um, West Ham got relegated, where. They're, they're a club that's too big for the division in a few ways. And, and, and you know, I guess the drop from the Premier League to the Championship in some ways isn't as steep as the drop from the Championship to, to League One. And, you know, it's not as if we've still got Hernandez and Diami running around. So it's not as if we have a Premier League calibre squad. But the squad that we have or even that we had in the, in the Championship, and we've talked about it a few times, that when we were in the Championship, we were effectively picking off the best League One players and we've dropped to League One and we've carried on picking off the best League One players. So we've almost we've just got a squad of the best League One players and 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 it's showing out on the park. Yeah, look, it's been a ter- it's been a tremendous start to the season. Um and so obviously I mean I can't pick any of the players that have come in that have not done done their job. So I think in no. that regard, it's nice for a change just to talk about all of the success stories from a transfer window because normally we usually have one or two sort of flops amongst and a few sort of gems, but this has seemed to be pretty consistent across the park and, and the homework's been done well. So, um, yeah, we're, we're seeing the rewards. Um, we've got ourselves in a really good position um, at this stage of the season. You know, two, uh, two points clear at the top with the game in hand. Um, so well, whenever we get that catch-up game, potentially five points clear at the top. Um which and when? What are we a, about a quarter of the way through the season? So, well, almost a third, really. I was looking um, at the other day, and and I guess after this Ipswich game, it's now uh, how many games played is it? It's is it fourteen or thirteen games played? I think maybe thirteen games played. So, yeah, so we've played the thirteen games. Um, what forty six game season? So what's that? Another two games, and we'll be a third, pretty much a third of the way through. Yeah. So well on track for, you know, dare I say it, well on track for 100 points. Um, you know, long way to go, but we've made the start we've made. We've just got to keep going. Um, and I guess before we move on to that Ipswich game, um, uh, for a change, I'll, I'll get your 3-2-1 for the MVP first because I feel like if I feel like if I give my 3-2-1, you'll just uh, hitch, on the, hitch on the bandwagon. So I'll get your, I'll get your thoughts first. 3-2-1 um, for MK Dons. Uh, I can't really go past Magenis for three for getting a lovely brace. Um, I think I want to go Greaves and Ingram for my two and my one. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll echo you with uh, Magenis for the three and Greaves for the two, but I'll go I'll go Hunter for the one. I think. Um, you know, I think it's funny because, you know, the title of this episode is an 11 out of 11 performance and it, it's, you know, both the MK Dons and the Ipswich games, it felt like everyone on the park played well. Um, but Honeyman's always an easy one to give a vote to because I think he he's, you know, he's leading the team out there and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens um, if slash when we go up and, and how he performs this time around in the championship because, um He's he's almost a completely different player to what we had last last season with him in the championship, where um, I don't think he I don't think we saw the best of him necessarily. Um, so that that will be interesting. Um, but yeah, look, we'll, we'll talk about that Ipswich game now, which um, we're still buzzing from. Um, it sort of reminds me of that promotion season under Steve Bruce, where we went to you know we'd go to a side like a Burnley or a Middlesbrough or Brentford even, and we we turned them over two or three nil and. 
it's that sort of belief that it gives you where you're actually going to one of the, the challenges for promotion and turning them over pretty convincingly. And it's it sort of, there's no, there's no better um, test that you can, you can have as a side to go to a side that's conceded one goal for the season from the penalty spot, had the best home form in the division or even England, I think, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and you do them three nil. Um, it's f- fantastic. Yeah, I think it was an interesting one leading into this because we were the best away form and they were the best home form, I think. So, yeah. um, I mean, we've come up trumps, which was great. But again, like this was another just, um, I think, commanding performance really. I can't really put it any other way. And I don't understand, again, how Paul Lambert's come out and said, you know, indicated, indicated otherwise. You came into the stream just as I was saying the same thing about um, Martin at MK Dons. And I think the funniest was was Martin saying, um, oh, you know, after we scored the goal, we, we dominated and, until they scored again. And, and everyone sort of pointed out the fact that they didn't even touch the ball before we scored again. So the rubbish these managers are coming out with at the moment. Um, yeah, Lambert's comments as well. Yeah, he said something, and then the, oh, there's just it was the BBC, it's the BBC yeah, or something, one, sort of saying, yeah, "Oh, the front three is very good." Yeah, said, um, "Yeah, who?" And they basically said that we don't look like a top of the table, a top of the league team. And yeah. I mean, we're top of the league. We rolled them three nil. They they had a few chances, but nothing. There wasn't anything yeah. amazing. I don't know what else we've got to do to convince these guys. Yeah, I don't think – and I was quite surprised. I actually thought um, if any team was going to pay us credit, it would be a team like Ipswich where they're not um, necess- they're not fighting relegation, they're not in trouble or anything, so the manager isn't under that sort of pressure. Um, I didn't think he'd feel the need to defend his team's performance by rubbishing us. I thought he'd be able to come out and say, you know, Hull were the better team, we rolled up our sleeves, we tried our best, it was an off day. Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons. This will put us in good, something like that. But but it's just it's just crazy that it's just time and time again these managers just can't can't suck it up and just give us some credit. But look, if this is us not playing well, if this is us underperforming, uh, this league will get whacked when we start to perform at a higher level. I think. Um, but look, you know, Wilkes scoring after two minutes was fantastic. Um, you sort of mentioned it before, but Eve's scoring a goal was great. Um, really good finish as well. So really good for his confidence, I hope. Uh, and Magenis again, uh, right before half time, with a really well taken goal as well. Yeah, look, they were. And that's, I mean, we're not even counting all the chances that went begging as yeah. well. There was uh, Wilkes got through and in into the box on his own um, in the second half. Um, is the main one I can think of, but I'm sure there were some others. I think, yeah, um, I think Magenis had a, had a pretty good chance as well. I'm trying to think. It might have been before he actually scored um, and somebody else had a chance as well. Yeah. But, yeah, look, it, it could have been five or six goals, really. Um, yeah, and, and we sort of had the same most weeks. Is we, we, We're making a lot of chances. We just um, aren't, aren't finishing as well as we could. Yeah, so, um, I mean, look, I don't even... We, we played well. We won the game. I just can't. It still bugs me that everyone wants to complain about us and say that we're not like as good as we are, like I like you said. Like, why can't they just pay credit where it's due? You know. Yeah. But anyway. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's it's just take your medicine. It's not you're not you're not 
admitting that you're the worst side in the division you're not you know signing off on being relegated it's just paying your opposition a bit of respect and it seems as it and it's there was a comment in the group where uh from scott daniels who sort of asked you know i missed the game was it as convincing a performance as the scoreline suggested and i sort of said well yes it was based on the scoreline we won three nil we had the we had the majority of the good chances i don't think ipswich had many good chances at all but they yes they won the possession count but it's not Games aren't won and lost on possession. And, you know, it's a classic sort of FIFA thing of looking at, oh, well, we had more possession or, oh, we had more shots, which they didn't even have more shots than us. Um, and it's like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. We had more goals and that's, that's what matters. So um, it seems strange that managers can't really grasp that. And, look, it was it was similar last season. We, we beat Fulham at their, their, um, their patch with three counter goals, I think, which was sort of the most in a game for the season or something and, and had like 20% possession or 30% possession or something. And it doesn't matter. We won 3-0. Like, you know, you just got to accept it. Um, yeah. Most most clean sheets in England, which is a great stat to have. Um, best away form in England as well. Um, as you said before, two points clear at the top with a game in hand. Um, and I guess most importantly as well, um, eight points clear of seventh. And that's sort of the gap that I'm keeping an eye on because as optimistic as I am, you kind of just want to be putting those points in the bank and, and keeping that gap growing so that if the worst happens and you start to stumble, you're at least assured of that spot in the in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I think I was just thinking of, I think last time I was on, which was maybe a couple of weeks ago, we would, um, we'd had a couple of disappointing results maybe those couple of losses against those high, those teams that we we're talking about you know it w- was at the end of our of our run of form were we were we starting to was everyone starting to catch on to our tricks or whatever and i and i sort of indicated that um you know if, if you're getting those little patches where you get three or four wins together and then maybe if you drop points but you get then you go on another bit of a run and you get you know and we, we seem to have hit that second that, that patch again. So we're now, I think it's five games in, in all competitions, but in a row or something. So, you know, we're, we're in another one of those little purple patches, um, you know, and if you get a couple more wins before before we drop some more points, um, you know, we're, we're just, we're in a really strong position. And as you say, that gap grows. And when we drop those points, it's not, um, it's not Some a life or death. Yeah. yeah. So Definitely, definitely. Um, well, I'll go first this time and, and I'll give my three votes to Emmanuel for this one. I think I saw some stat that he's leading us for the most um, the most passes, the most crosses, the most um, chances created, all, all sorts of stats like that, both defensive and offensive, which is um, just fantastic. And, you know, we keep kind of – it's I'm a broken record on it, but I just can't get over the fact that I still remember the day we signed him and Coyle and it was sort of, you know, oh, it's fantastic. We've signed Coyle, homegrown lad, fantastic. He's going to fix our right-back problems. It's going to be great. And then we signed Emmanuel a couple of hours later, and it was like, oh, oh well, it's good. We've got some depth at right-back now. It's good we've got some depth there. But there wasn't much of a thought of Emmanuel and, and what he'd bring to the side. And it's, you know, it's completely flipped now, and, and he's he's sort of leading leading the way um, in that position. Um and then I'll give my two votes to Wilkes, who I thought was really dangerous. We were sort of saying he created a few chances uh, and, and took that first goal really well as well. And then the easy out for me, as, as always, is uh, I'll give the one to Honeyman. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I might actually... I probably... I oh, Look, I don't know. 
that's this is a tough one because you talked about Emmanuel and now I want to give points to Emmanuel. But um, <laughs> you. oh, you're talking about him, then I was just going to say like he's his crossing is I've never seen someone who can deliver those crosses so consistently and so effortlessly. Yeah, you, know, you see players trying to whip in crosses and they and they look like they're bloody trying to smash at the length of the field or whatever. But he always just just it's always like, just, like yeah, just like taps just it. Put, yeah, it looks like it's just a little like. It looks like he's just dinking it in there or whatever, but yeah, it always yeah. it, and it's always just getting in that right area. So he's just, I don't know he's got that sort of, and I just his work rate is, I'd say he's got to be up there with Honeyman in terms of fitness and stuff. Like the amount of work that he's doing, he's getting up and down that flank like, like nothing I've ever seen really. Um, but I'm not going to give him three points. I'm going to give Wilkes three points. Um, yeah. A good early goal, a couple of really good chances that he created and was dangerous. I think throughout. Um, I'll give two points to Emmanuel. Um, and I'll give a point to Eves for coming on and getting a goal and doing well. Um, he deserves – I mean, he's he's working hard, and I think what's good is he's scoring goals as well. And so if something happens to Magenis, um, you know, touch wood that nothing does. But if something does, you've got a player who is who's coming off the bench and scoring and is in a little bit of form himself, which makes things easier. Yeah, definitely. And I'll give a give a shout out shout out to another member of the group, uh, Mike Hudson, who was saying, you know, great team performance, particularly from um uh, the central defenders, Emmanuel and his man of the match, which was Honeyman. So um, you know, I come back to the, the title of this episode, it's eleven out of eleven, because I think there's there's no passengers at the moment. Everyone is playing so well. Um and I think it is it, it's the benefit of of um well, first of all, the depth and second of all being able to make those five subs and just giving everyone that game time. So people coming off the bench, for instance, like Eves, know that this is their chance to prove themselves. It gives Coyle that chance in the side as well. And so they're going to make the most of their opportunities um, to try and either start the next game or, or get another appearance in the in the next game. So, look, it's just it's fantastic all around from the side. And, you know, yes, we're in League One. We're not we're not in the Championship or the, or the Premier League, but... Um, Winning football is enjoyable football. It's enjoyable staying up and watching City play, or getting up early and watching City play when when we're winning all the time. It's 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 great to watch, and it's it's almost um, you know I, I kind of keep thinking back to that uh, fifteen sixteen season. It's almost it's 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 on par, or or it's comparable to that season as it's probably my favourite season supporting City, where um, you know it's it's the chemistry of the side it's it's the quality of the players it's the the goals it's the everything it's it's great to watch yeah look it's not a bad time to be a city supporter um you know regardless of their position down in league like or being in league 1 and not in a higher division i think they're playing great football we're getting lots of results um i guess like to echo the the UK press, it's a bit of a shame that there's no fans in stadiums because I think that's probably the only thing that's missing is that bit of extra, that, that bit of noise, um, you know, while, while we're watching from from Australia, that little bit of the crowd noise is always good, you know, hear them hiss at the referee when he makes a mistake or whatever. But um, And I think, and I, and, I, and I could be wrong on this, but my sense is I think if, if crowds were allowed in stadiums, um, I think the KCOM would be as full as it's been in recent seasons um, supporting this team, I think. And you see a lot of people on Twitter sort of saying that it's going to be a shame if, if there's no crowds at all this season because um, to be able to get into the stadium and watch this team is, is sort of really high on a lot of people's agendas. And I think not only will there be that sort of rush to go and watch games once it's allowed again just for the sake of it, it's also going to be 
to try and get a chance to to watch this side and and cheer them on to hopefully lifting the trophy at the end of the season. Yeah, I think like I was just seeing like perhaps like not that you want to ever say that a global pandemic is like as a positive or whatever. I guess a positive you could try to take out of it is that cities essentially or we've we've had and so has everyone had a free hit for the fans so far. You know, no one's been able to go into the stadiums, so no one's been not wanting to buy tickets and, and not yeah. and being disappointed or anything like that. Everyone's got the same opportunity to watch. And now that we're performing well, once we once they do open up, as you say, I think there will be a flood and we'll have, you know, as many as we're allowed in, whether that's only a half capacity or, or a quarter capacity or whatever, we'll have whatever we're allowed in, all of those allocations will be will be will be sold, I think. I think yeah. all of the tickets will sell very quickly. Um and I think that's part of partly due to you know we've been able to rebuild some of that faith without essentially without any pressure because there's been no crowds there to to influence or, to, or you know. I think that's a really good point. I think it's interesting to think in a game like that MK Dons game where we concede so early. Yes, it was an away game, so maybe not as much of an issue. But you can imagine if there was a crowd there, a the MK Dons supporters would be sort of g'd up because they've equalized and cheering their side on and b city supporters would probably be sort of murmurings getting on the sides back a little bit at conceding so early that sort of thing um maybe we don't go down the other end and score again straight away so um i think you're right it's interesting that with no crowds there i think that element of pressure is gone (laughs) in a way it's sort of like well if there's no crowds all the way through maybe there's less pressure on this side. You don't get that sort of tightness on the run in um, to, to to winning the title or to going up that you would have if there was supporters there. Of course, you want the supporters there cheering them on, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting thing psychologically um, of what changes when you start to get crowds back and how clubs sort of respond to that. Because I think they're already talking about, uh, and we're sort of moving on to the off-field discussion now, but they're already sort of talking about, I think, um, small numbers of supporters being allowed back into low-risk areas in in stadiums, and I think it's going to be home supporters only. So for us in Hull being in a high-risk area, obviously we're not going to have crowds for a little bit longer. Um, I guess it makes those away trips a little bit more interesting if you, even if you've only got five, ten thousand away supporters, uh, well, away team supporters there, uh, could make it a little bit interesting. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, I guess like what, as soon as once fans are getting let back in, then that's obviously a positive sign. So, uh, as frustrating as it would be to to go and only be surrounded by um, your your opponent's fans, um, I'd still be looking forward to it. It'll, I think it'll just add, it'll add that little bit of extra dynamic to the game and make things a little bit more interesting. Um, maybe you know, city supporters who live in in those areas could kind of sneak in. Maybe I. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Wear, wear two jerseys, take it off on the yeah. inside. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think like that's part of the, the theatre of the sport that we love so much is, is as much as you hate it, but having a referee get bullied by the, by the, by the fans into, into blowing his whistle or to giving a penalty or to like, whatever. Some of those things, as frustrating as they can be when they go against you, it's also why 
you know, we love the game and we love seeing everyone so passionate and, and involved in it. So um, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing fans fans back in for sure. Yeah, and I think we saw it with Aussie Rules here and, and other sports here when um, crowds started going back in. And you, you're right, it was sort of highlighted on the – because obviously they got the fake crowd noise for the goals, so you still had the cheers and stuff. But it was always highlighted by, you know, if an opposition player did something or if the umpire or the ref made a decision and you got the boos or whatever and commentators are sort of saying that, you know, we have missed this a bit. You know, you've got that emotion, you've got that atmosphere back in the grounds, which is um, always a good thing. Um, but I guess the the other off-field topic that I wanted to touch on and I know sort of looking a little bit ahead because it's only just the end of November now, but my thoughts have sort of been drifting a little bit towards the um, the January transfer window and, I sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I mean, the squad as deep as it is. Do you do you see any any need to strengthen? I mean, we've been reasonably fortunate with injuries so far. Um, we haven't really been challenged. Um, I think in most positions we're pretty well set. I think Elder is probably the only one I can think of who, if he was to go down, we really only have Fleming behind him, not a senior body. But I think Fleming's shown enough that he could step up for for the odd patch of games. Do you do you think that the priority in January just needs to be holding on to the players that we've got? Um, yeah, I see. No, I can't really think of a of a particular area of the pitch that desperately needs strengthening. So I think that should be the priority: trying to keep a hold of of the squad that we've got, particularly you know you know particularly guys like like Wilkes and Magennis and Ken Lewis-Potter and the like who are scoring plenty of our goals for us, and someone like Emmanuel, because I feel like there, there'll definitely be some interest that will come in for him for his outstanding start to the season. So I think, I, I think yeah, just holding on to players and, and trying to get through January unscathed in that regard will be the, the aim. I guess the only um, would be, as, as you sort of mentioned, the injury, if there was a major injury or something that, that essentially ruled a player out for the season or something, then maybe you'd be looking to, to go in and grab a loan player or something for the second half maybe, but I wouldn't be thinking that we'd be one wanting to spend much money because I know we're all on cost cutting measures and, and the like, but um, yeah, that that's, I mean, that's my view of it anyway. And and dare I say it, but would you, would you sort of look at um, maybe moving a couple of players on? I mean, my, my mind goes straight to device and whether we'd sort of look to cash in on him. If he's, if he's sort of lost his place in the side. And I think I, I heard McCann sort of saying that not only is Greaves ahead of him now, but also Alfie Jones. Um, and I remembered his name this week. Um, Jones has gone ahead of him in the pecking order as well. So, you know, you'd sort of be looking at it from both sides as device. You'd probably be saying, well, I had the interest from the MLS at, in the off season and that didn't materialize. Um, and from our point of view, you'd be saying, well, we've now got two players in great form ahead of him. Jones, yes, he's only on a one-year deal, but as our hunch, I think, was before he joined or when he joined, if we go up, I think he'll probably sign on to a longer deal. It's probably just a, a wait and see at this stage for him. Would you would you look to try and cash in on device and, and see what we can get for him? Um, I guess that's an interesting one. If he's not playing um, and he continues to not play or and not be able to force his way back into the squad, um, then I, I mean, it's been he's had cons- interest in consecutive windows now. I think um, there was interest. Was it MLS in January and then again in the in the yeah. uh, September or window I again? I think. Yeah, I can't even remember who was interested in him. Um, but yeah, I think it was one of the MLS. Yeah. So. Someone maybe. Okay. 
if it came back again, um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see, um, I could see, I could see that, you know, them them trying to do a deal there. But I guess, like, I don't know. I'd still like to keep the squad as it is, um, but he's probably he would probably be one of those high high highest wage earners that we've got at the moment. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that yeah. is. And that's a good point know. as well. I wonder if the Alums would sort of look at it even just from that point of view and say, well, he's earning a big wage. He's not even making the first 11 at the moment. Why do we need him? Which is harsh, but um, especially I think in league one, I guess that's probably the mindset. Yeah. I mean, we've criticized him for it before or made plenty of comment on it, but it, you know, we, we've also been ready to admit, you know, at the end of the day, they're a football club and they're a business. So they've got to do what's best for, for them. And I know they're trying to offload the club and that means, you know, trying to reduce their debts and all that sort of stuff. So that's all part and parcel of that whole process. So Yeah. And I'll, I'll use that as a really good segue to say that um, Logan and I did talk about the Alums takeover of the club in our second episode of our uh flashback um series that we're doing which looks back at the last decade where we where we talked about the second half of the 2010-11 season where the alums took over and that's available to all our patreons at the moment so if if you're not a patreon um please sign up today the link's in the the description for this video it's as little as three pound a month and it it helps us um put these podcasts together would be fantastic um but it will be available to everyone else next Monday as well, uh, Australia time. So it's at uh, Monday morning or time or Sunday night UK time. I'm not sure when it will go up um, at this stage. Um, but we'll move on. Um, it's it's already turning into a pretty long episode. But we'll we'll move on and uh, talk about Reese Burke, who's our player of the week. Um, having just talked about Device a little bit, his one-time centre back partner in Reese Burke is is the player focus and. I mean, I, I sometimes forget that we signed him for about one and a half million pounds, at least according to reports. And um, back in, in July 2018 under Adkins, I think it was, I think it was his first summer window with us. Um, and he's made 83 appearances for us now in the league and scored a goal in, in the cup just recently um, and has kept 23 clean sheets in his time as well. And he, he's, be, he's been one, I think, who um, while, while when we got relegated at the end of last season, I think he and Device probably equally shared the blame for for the the poor lapses in defending but um i think certainly now that greaves has come into the side and has looked so assured burke has certainly looked a lot stronger as well so um whether that sort of then says more about device and his form or, or or what i'm not so sure but but i think burke has certainly been been a strong performer for us and and, and certainly been a, a really valuable signing yeah look i um he's been up and down, but I think he's been, um, for the most part, he's he's proved to be a, a, a good acquisition, and and I've enjoyed watching him. Um, I think, for me, I think the thing that I like most about Burke is when he steps out of the defence and takes the ball forward and overloads um, in that midfield zone um, and pushes, you know, pushes towards the box to to create overloads and and create a bit of pressure. And I think when he's when he's confident in himself and when he's been playing well, he tends to do that and he picks his moments really well when he, to, to do that, um, which he's helped create a few opportunities opportunities while doing that. So I don't know. I think that that's, that's one of the things I really like about him, but I think generally I think he is a, he's a, he's a solid player and I think, you know, he's still young. So um, he's still improving. And if we keep a hold of him and he, and he keeps, 
keeps improving, keep playing the way he does in a couple of years' time, you know, I think he deserves another crack at the championship anyway. And so hopefully we get through this year, we keep a hold of him in next year, see how he goes, because I'm not sure. They did they did just sort of fall apart at the back end of last season. Um, and they're, whatever confidence they had established in the first half of the season was steadily eroded throughout that second second period. So... Yeah, I think I think centre backs especially it's it's so much about the confidence. Similar with goalkeepers, where I think as um, as the performances sort of worsened and and more shots were faced and more um, opposition runs and everything like that, it does become quite difficult to keep your form going and keep keep playing well. So I don't think it's necessarily a comment on him as a player, more so his form. I think that fell apart. Yeah, look, I can certainly tell you as a centre-back who played in a team that conceded quite a few goals this year, um, it gets it can get very difficult to stay motivated at times. Um, and it's, I mean, even at an amateur level, it's 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 a hard, it can be a very hard slog to to be picking that ball up out of the back of your net and and be ready to go again week after week after week. Um, so, look, I I think the off season has done him. Um, wonders so hopefully it'll do the same for me next year <laughs> but um yeah look i i don't know i think probably out of like because him and device came at similar with the same or similar time yeah within, I think yeah um and i honestly i mean there was a while there's been periods where device has been um you know supremely commanding but i think burke has just essentially been more consistent and has probably been a better acquisition for us overall. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, and I think it would be interesting because I think if we, if we aren't to get promoted, I, I do get the sense that players like him device certainly would be um, leaving the club. As you sort of alluded to with device, I think Burke's probably one of our higher wage earners now as well. Um, so I, I do hope we go up and we can keep hold of him and, and see what he can do in the championship next season, because um, there's a player there and, and look, if we can sort of push up into the championship and, and establish ourselves again, um, we've got a really exciting core of a squad and, and I think Burke is certainly part of that. So um, that, that that will be exciting to see and, and, and good to see him sort of making a place in the team his own again next to Graves and, um, you know, it, it kind of, I guess, shows, shows McGann's confidence in him so far this season. Yeah, um, it certainly does and I I mean, how could you? I, you can't. I don't know. You can't really argue with with that. He's he's come in and they've we've got the most clean sheets. We've got the best yeah. defense. I, do we have the best defense? Um, I th- or close. We'd be close to. We'd be up there. Um, you know, but ascent. But you know, performing very well. Um, it'd be hard to. I. You'd be hard pressed to to take him take either of those out of the squad and then again you know particularly over this last little bunch of games where where Greaves and Burke have started to form up that partnership and I think that's the other thing that's really important in the in center backs I will breathe somewhere in this is um that is that partnership and, and being able to form that bond and that understanding with the guys that's next to you so that you know if if Burke picks up the ball and and wants to run forward that Greaves knows you know knows what's going on and knows where to hold and that one of the midfielders might drop in or whatever. Like, and that's all just understood. And then, and they know it without having to, to really talk about it so much, which is, um, which that seems to be starting to show become evident that partnership that he's developing with, with Greaves. And I guess the back line as a whole, that's a, you know, a whole 
again another thing that we lacked yeah. for, for big periods of last for that especially that second half of last season was that consistency across the back line and having a clear cut first back, first eleven yeah. back four that yeah I mean I guess yeah long long was in goal for much of last season but Ingram clearly. Um, has a lot of confidence in his back four as they do in him, and and that's that's working really well. Um, but speaking of long, this is my I'm, I'm working on my segues this week. Clearly, I'm doing my little segue. But speaking of long, we'll probably see him in action against Stevenage in the FA Cup this weekend. Um, I think we've been moved to the early games, so I think we're on at eleven thirty our time, which is fantastic to get a nice early game for a change. It's uh, not been the case. For a little while now, I can't remember the last early game that we had. Um, now, I don't think we've ever actually played Stevenage before, so this is one of those games. It's a real shame that there's no supporters allowed in the grounds because it would have been a nice ground tick for the city supporters. Um, so it'd be an interesting one in that sense. Um, and they're they're sitting down in League Two, so probably you know no disrespect to them um probably gives us a reasonable chance or a reasonable hope of making our way into the third round where we look to face one of the big clubs perhaps and, and test ourselves against the bigger clubs in in, in that cup um but how, how do you see this one yeah look um i think our form warrants that we go into this as favorites and i'd be expecting to come away victors and and walking into the next round of the of the cup yeah absolutely i'm just i'm just pulling up their form now it looks like so they, they've had a bit of mixed form in their last five games um looks like they've got uh oh, i say mixed form they've got one win in their last five with a, a handful of draws thrown in there as well but um most recently beat port Vale before that loss to bolton so um and i think that looks like they just got past non-league opposition on penalties in the first round of the fa cup so um, yeah, probably not the, the not the toughest of opposition, um, and certainly one that um, we'd be looking to get over um, and to get through in the cup. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more we can say about that. Um, it's they're um, going to banana skin us. I can feel it now. We've talked we've talked our, our chances up. We're going to yeah, fall yeah. over in a heap and get knocked out by Stevenage. <laughs> Look, I mean, the thing that always reassures me with uh, cup games this season is that it feels like, I think it was in the AFL trophy, we we made the 10 changes or 11 changes and still put out a really strong side. So uh, I'm not as nervous in this one as as I might have been in previous seasons. I think in previous seasons, sometimes Bruce or or Adkins or someone might have made a lot of changes and played a lot of kids. Um, There's a game in particular I'll touch on when we talk about Doncaster but um, they might have done that to sort of manage the squad and give everyone game time and then we've slipped up but this season I feel like even if we rotate and play our second 11 it's it's still gonna be pretty strong yeah well I'm just thinking about it and you swap out say Wilkes and Magenis and if it's Adela Coon or Ken Lewis Potter well there's a one Eves comes in for Magenis James Scott comes in still very strong <laughs> um, we've already seen Regan Slater, Alfie Jones can do the job in centre mid. Um, Doherty's got to come back from injury. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Batty, we haven't even seen him for a few weeks, um, which is a shame, but there's another one. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Coyle, McLaughlin, Device, Fleming as your back four, long in goal. Like, that's that's still a very strong side. It's, yeah, I've, it's crazy to think, like, 
when you look at how the squads have been over the last couple of years, where it's been a very clear 11 and, and um, you know, and a very clear bunch of, I guess, subs and reserves, that it's it's crazy to look at our squad at the moment and go how open it really is and that anyone that's not starting at the moment could feasibly step into a starting position at any point and perform and not change the the team's dynamic too much. Definitely, definitely. Well, we'll look ahead then to the um, the really big spicy clash in um, the league against Doncaster. Um, of course, Grant McCann's former club pinched McCann from them uh, and they then appointed Darren Moore, who was the former West Brom manager, to the job. He, he's done a pretty reasonable job with them so far. Um, they, had a, they had a promising season last year and, and are looking good again this season. Um, they, they've, they, you know, they've had a few pretty good results as well. So even though they're not, you know, um, right up at the top end of the table. They they have uh, knocked off a couple of the bigger clubs along the way. So certainly not a game to take lightly, um, and especially with all of the heat behind the game as well, um, it's certainly going to be a really interesting clash. Um, the last the last two times we've played them were in the League Cup, and one of those was sort of the infamous or famous game um, under Slutsky where we, I think it was, was it Slutsky or was it the season before where... We, I think, it, I think it was Slutsky, where we where we had basically no um, second team. We had no first team even. So there's the second team that we put out for the League Cup game was virtually, you know, our under twenty threes, under twenty ones, almost. And um, I think I remember from the lineup or or from the tweets after the game, they sort of went through all the players who made their 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 their, their full senior debuts for City, and it was pretty much half the side or, or most of the side playing their first senior game for the club, which was, you know, it was great, great for them and great experience for them. But, um, um, uh, you know, somewhat predictably, we didn't win the game, which was um, disappointing in itself. But um, in the league, we haven't played them since 2011-12, where we had two draws. So, um, you know, not terrible form against them, but it's certainly been a while between drinks um, against Doncaster. So so how do you see this one? Um, Yeah, look, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, I'm sure that we're going to, bag us out again if we win and say that we didn't deserve the win but and I think as you mentioned with being McCann's former club um, you know it, it should be interesting hopefully it's played you know in good spirits and you know that I guess you know the Doncaster players that um, worked with McCann will will be friendly and that he'll be friendly back and but and it'll, I, be, it'll be um, Wilkes, Wilkes uh, former club as well I think oh, he was yeah. with um, McCann yeah so look I again I don't I think this it'll be as I seem to say about every league game it'll be a tough it will be a tough game but I I think we're we're in I think our attack is developing in such a way that our um you know and we're in good form that I'm not too concerned I think even at the beginning of the season when we were winning but we were winning every game 1-0 it was sort of harder to to tell about you know what how we would go against a tougher opposition but you know we're starting to get you know, two or three goals every game. Um, that I'm not too concerned. I think I think we'll. I, I mean, I think we'll get three points and we'll continue our um, rich vein of form. Um, and you mentioned Doherty before, and of course Lewis Potter as well. Both presumably to come back into the side for this game. Would you Would you bring them in for this one, or would you maybe look to play them in the cup game instead? Um, well, I don't know. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, Doherty's coming back from is it an injury or an illness or I think it was a yeah. little a, a niggle or something, but um, I don't know. I probably the cup because it would hard, I think it'd be 
it'd be pretty harsh on anyone who's who's played these last few games to to drop them straight out. And as much as I enjoyed Doherty um, and have enjoyed him this season, he's been fairly wasteful in a few key moments. Um, and that has been frustrating because he realistically should probably have three or four goals himself. Yeah. Um, but has zero. And he seems to have a very um, he, has, he seems to have a very typical sort of shot where he'll sort of on the on the edge of the D or right on the edge of the box he'll sort of run in and, and hit it and it'll curl towards you know on the post or something and it'll just curl over and it's just like yeah if he connected with it right he's he's got a few screamers in his bag he just can't quite connect properly yeah so look I I think probably if they're if they're available for the cup I'd play them in the cup. Um, and then let him sit on the bench um, midweek um, and have a crack there. But, yeah, look, I, I, I think you have to reward the players that are doing the job. You yeah. can't – I don't think you can – even though, you know, Lewis Potter was doing the job, and if the players that had come in weren't doing the job, then I would throw him straight back in, absolutely. But I think since he stepped out and since Doherty has stepped out, that – the players that have come in have, have been doing the job. They haven't – it's not like there's been a Lewis Potter-sized hole in the squad or a Doherty-sized hole. So I think it would be it would be pretty harsh on the, on the, on the other players to, to get dropped just for them to be – for them to be reinstated straight from injury. But No, definitely. I agree. I agree. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, I'd probably put them in, in the cup game, which, again, shows that we'll, we'll have a reasonably strong side in that cup game. And um, – See, see how the starters perform against Doncaster, probably bring these guys on as subs in that game and and go from there. But, um, look, it'll be it'll be another interesting game. It'll be great to see if we can keep this run going. Um, sort of mentioned before, we're coming up on a third of the season gone. So it'd be great if we can sort of be um, um, going into that stretch with another couple of wins under our belt just to, just to keep that momentum going and... You know, before long, it's going to be Christmas. There'll be a big bunch of games around Christmas, and then and then we're pretty much halfway through the season. So um, it's going to be pretty exciting times over the next month. Uh, so it's going to be pretty exciting to to follow along with the with the results as we do. Um, but but until the next time, thanks for joining me, Dan. Not a problem. It's a pleasure to come on and talk about City. No worries, and uh, thank you everyone for listening in. As as mentioned before, we've also got our flashback episode being released at the start of next week. So. Keep an eye out for that one. But otherwise, until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're amber and black till you die.